At the outset, nothing in this podcast should be interpreted as legal advice. Further, the views or opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent those of the university. Please email campbelllawreporter at email.campbell.edu for any media inquiries and third-party distributions. Welcome to the Campbell Law Reporter Podcast. This legal podcast strives to expand Campbell University's mission to lead with purpose by reporting with purpose. We hope to breathe new life into the dusty reporters on the shelves by reporting the content through captivating discussions. Our mission is to provide current and interesting reporting on legal topics affecting today's professionals. Listeners can expect to hear from various hosts throughout the year. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Campbell Law Reporter. We are a law student-ran legal interest podcast, and today we are talking about attending law school in the midst of a pandemic. My name is Shannon Lackey, and I'm the editor-in-chief. Today's panelists will be Jenna Nichols, Stephen Dinkel, and Lloyd Newman. And Jenna will be leading us with the first question. So today, I would like to talk about what we missed before COVID. You know, how school was back in the day before COVID-19. Well, I guess I'll start off. I mean, I really miss the in-person education portion, specifically like the interaction. I think I miss through learning through the Socratic method is so much law school taught, I think is does not lend itself well to virtual learning. And especially when the professors are learning how to use the equipment as well as we are, it makes, you know, hold on, let me mute my mic while you talk kind of situations, which really disincentivizes them from calling on people online. And then the people online, we feel alienated, like we're out in you know left field. And so, you know, oh, well, maybe I don't need to read as thoroughly today because there's like a 0% chance that I get called on. I think I really miss that. And then like the drive-by questions kind of after class is in like, you know, hey, I didn't really understand what we're talking about reasonable searches. Like you said this, what did you mean by that? You know, and not like a formal, like dear professor, such and such. Like I had the following questions from today that I will point in, you know, this, you know, well-organized outline or whatever. Just like the informality of some of like the conversations. I think that's so much of my learning in uh, the first year came from that. And, uh, you know, that kind of got poofed. Oh, yeah, that totally is something that I miss. I I personally miss going out into the cafeteria or our commons area after a hard class and talking with my friends about the topics that we just went over. Now we all just scurry out of the school building. I yeah. think part of what I miss as well from being in person, I've done somewhat of a hybrid transition to now being completely virtual. But while I was completely in person, some of the information we receive from our classes is somewhat shocking or funny or uncomfortable. And the like reading the room from your fellow classmates to see if they felt the same way or if they felt confused or angry or uncomfortable by something that was discussed in a case or a specific statute was an easy way for me to remember that information and kind of integrate that into my notes, especially with maybe something like in torts. But without that interaction, I mean, I'm looking at a computer screen. I don't see any of the classmates in person. And maybe I hear a few chuckles if something's funny, but we don't unmute ourselves to laugh at the professor or laugh with our classmates over something. And that's a little bit isolating and you don't remember it. I mean, it's a blur for the time that you're spent in the seat at home versus a, some, a tangible experience you had in, in seat in the classroom. 
And so, I mean, at that point, it's a little bit lonelier and not as memorable. I think uh, I think Lloyd was on to something on the Socratic method stuff, you know, even though it brings a little bit of uh, um, fear to a lot of people, <laughs> there is a, uh, you know, reason behind the madness, so to say. I don't really miss that per se, but I understand it. And it's kind of one of those things where he's just like, yeah, it's a, an important part. You know, during this whole time, it's been, you know, tough to just not see as many people. You know, I don't think a lot of people really understand how intertwined we all are as a society um, until you're told to stay at home. Even in the type of, you know, we're historically speaking, this is the best time that any of us could want to go through something like this, so to say, if everybody wanted to. You know, we have internet, we have Netflix, all that sort of stuff. We got video games, we have FaceTime. You know, if this was during the Spanish flu, uh-oh, you know. So like, yeah, I, I totally miss connecting with everybody, but like, this is the best time I could still connect with, you know, hey, Lloyd, you, what's up? You know, we could Zoom call or FaceTime or still try to do something. But it's one of those things where it doesn't beat actually physically being there. There's there's a reason why we have so many things in person, right? Like, like for instance, look, a concert. You can watch one on TV. It's not like it's the same thing as being there. So that's what I think. You know, it was funny, Stephen, and uh, just to kind of piggyback off what you said, I was talking to my therapist the other day and just like not during a session, just kind of, kind of like socially. And she was saying that she's had to reduce her hours pretty tremendously just because of the like mental fatigue. It seems like so much increase to her and I guess other professionals in her field. And I don't know, there's something I could really like relate with that, that it's like a 90 minute class in person seems to like drain me exponentially less than a 90 minute online Zoom lecture where it's like I'm trying as hard as possible to not step away and go do my laundry or, you know, ignore the dog barking or whatever. It's like you almost have to like exercise more focus to not be here, there and all over the place. And yeah, I don't, maybe that's the mechanism. Maybe it's something else. But I, I do think that it's like very draining just being all virtual. I think you have a point in saying that it like detracts from the overall experience because at home, when you have all those distractions, sometimes they're unavoidable to go address. Whereas when you're placed inside a controlled environment, like a law school building, you, those are not concerns on your mind while you're in that class. So I can agree with that there in that the experience is significantly altered. Some of it's positive, some of it's negative. The pressure to um, speak up in class is obviously not nearly as high when you're at home. Um, unless you have a pressing question, it's likely that you wouldn't take the time to interrupt a lecture to mention it. Kind of like what you said earlier, you, you usually save those kinds of questions for after class so you don't feel like you're taking more time, but now you're less inclined to do that because now it's taking the extra time for someone to stay online and talk to you where they probably have other things they need to do instead of being kind of involved in an environment where that would be encouraged. I have to ask this question, guys, because it just kind of came up to me. Are Do people that went to like the University of Phoenix or something like that, do they look at us and say, they're babies. Why? Come on, adapt. It's, it's modern times. It's virtual. We've done virtual for, you know, eons. Like, I, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, I know personally, I don't go and choose virtual learning because that's not what is conducive for me. 
And I would never choose to go to a university that was 100% online. And I learned that pretty early on when I was at state. You know, I tried to take an online class. It did not go well. Made a mental note. Don't go online. I don't have the discipline to prevent myself from petting my cats or doing my laundry. And it's a lot more effort on my part than I'm willing to sign up for. But, you know, with everything, I had to kind of grow up <laughs> a little bit. I agree. It's uh, one of those things where, where you know, University of Phoenix, and, and I, that's the only example I can have in my mind, those people that go there chose to go there. So it's a whole different thing than being told, oh, hey, this is what you were doing, and now this is what you're doing. I think there's something to be said for the difference in uh, curriculum, though, as well. I, in my personal experience, have taken probably about a year and a half of complete virtual attendance in my undergraduate studies. And I have to say it's different, not necessarily in the difficulty level, but just, I don't know, when you're prepared to be online for the entire duration of the semester, your activities are, are different. You structure your day a little bit differently. And some could say that we could have prepared once COVID had, had started impacting the United States that, hey, prepare to go online. With law school or I think any other professional program, it's probably a little bit different speaking to the, like, to the experience that is the classroom or how you learn. If you're used to that or you, and, and adapting is not something prepared for, I think that's a little bit different. And that's, it could be wrong, but it's just a little bit more exhausting when you have to remember the material plus the structure plus how your different professors like these nuanced changes in online learning and, and online submissions, if it's an email, if it's through their dashboard or educational software versus something that you used to turn in in person in class or something that you were prepared to discuss solely in that room. And that it was kind of a comfort zone that we've been removed from. Yeah, I mean, I guess to piggyback off of kind of what y'all were saying, I think to Stephen's original point, I think there's a reason that there's not University of Phoenix Law School, you know what I mean? Or at least Phoenix Online Law School. Phoenix may have a law school, but I don't think that there's any online law schools to my knowledge. And I think that that is because the style of learning, like, you know, there, there's been a lot of like talk about the transition from like, you know, strict Socratic method, uh, you know, just hammering somebody for 90 minutes straight to, you know, more kind of a mixed lecture with multiple people getting called on. But I, I think that there is some substance to the fact that very few professors are just straight lecturers. Like most of them do have uh, a lot of interaction. And I think that that comes from like there's a there's an idea that like, you know, you can't just learn like the black letter law. Right. Like, I mean, if you just, you know, go to Quimby, find out what the black letter law is and then, you know, read a couple case briefs and hope that you can apply it. That's just not it. I mean, you don't. It's like the, what is it, the Donald Rumsfeldian, like unknown unknowns, like not until somebody that really has mastered the subject matter just sits there and picks your conception apart. Do you realize where those gaps are? Or, you know, you see your comrade in arms just getting destroyed standing up beside you that you're like, huh, I never, you know, my mind didn't previously work in that manner. And I think it's the critical thinking skills and the thinking through of the problems that doesn't transition well to online because of the friction with interaction. And I think that that has really had a detrimental impact. You know, why it hasn't, 
why no law school is online currently and i doubt in the future post-covid it will ever be it's just because yeah it's hard to teach a way of thinking virtually and to go back to steven's point another difference is the isolation aspect of what COVID has done to our society so not only are we now online virtual but we're isolated we're not supposed to go really out and socialize with our friends so the students who were doing the university of phoenix online they were still able to go out and have beers with their friends or with you know classmates who live close after school now we have to stay in our house we have our family (laughs) and let me just tell you Friends and family of mine are so tired of listening to me talk about law. I get the, then all I heard was blah, blah, blah. And I miss that, like just having that connection and being able to immerse myself into a culture that is... Supports learning the hard stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think that is a major thing that is like, we have to give ourselves credit for that. Because on top of switching the learning, we had to go into an isolated state, which isolation has been proven to make people go crazy. I think those that are in those programs that that prepared to be online also had to adjust for the COVID aspect. I mean, they obviously couldn't go out and socially, like socialize afterwards. One other key difference, though, I think between being prepared for all online learning versus adjusting to online learning is that so much time, class time, preparation time is now attributed to like uncontrollable like tech errors. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my classes have been either cut short or taken long distraction like times for the professor or students who are having mic trouble, camera trouble, presentation issues to remedy that. Whereas those that have are usually in the game of doing virtual learning, have all that prepared and and experience not none, but less of those distractions or errors. And of course, those are most of the time beyond control. But so many classes, I hear robotic voices and I didn't like take in what was taught during that time. And even if you mention it, that that professor's exhausted of saying it already, that even a a repetition of that material is going to be altered because they want to make sure the point's driven home and then moved on. It's not at all something that they're comfortable with, at least that I can tell doing when, when they're frustrated with technology. Yeah. I don't know, Shannon, can you hear me? <laughs> I feel like if we had like all the time back for people saying, can you hear me before coming in to make their statement, we'd probably have like a half a semester. You make a mixtape of uh, everybody saying, can you hear me? Uh, that should be our like graduation theme. <laughs> Instead of, I don't even know the classical, but no, da da da. da it's can you hear me? <laughs> the whole time. Auto tune it all. We virtually, by robots, walk the stage. Yeah, Stephen, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to get on that. Uh, Stephen, I'm gonna need you to get on that immediately. Okay, yeah, I'll. Uh, I have to start recording everybody now. Thanks. Yeah. No, but like I know Jenna, you brought this up when we had been talking about this uh, beforehand, like coping mechanisms like what were you what were you thinking on on in the, in regards to that so i mean just how we handle you know learning so my coping mechanism because i am not a well disciplined student uh, on my own i create an environment that's a little rigid so that i don't have the comfy comforts 
that my house traditionally has. And it makes me focus, makes me a little bit more serious and remind myself how much I'm paying uh, for this class and, you know, not turn on Netflix behind me. I also make sure I remove all of my technology. I don't know how most professional schools are, but we all know that our 1L classes and most of our classes, technology is not allowed. So not having my cell phone has helped tremendously. Because group me is the worst thing during online lectures, especially if you have every all your friends in one group. So, you know, just removing, you know, the little things like creating my own little environment, my own bubble. That was how I've coped. No, I mean, I, I think that there's so much validity to that, that like, even like right now, right? Like I'm trying to focus on this conversation, but I've got the messenger app and the bottom telling me that I've got like 19 new text messages so it's like I'm trying to fight the urge like what can be so important that you're texting me 19 times and so like when that's going on at the same time that you're trying to learn something new it's like you know and I mean I've tried to do that myself I guess it's just like when like I've always been like super sympathetic to people with like food addictions and stuff because it's like you still have to eat. And yet, like, you know, this is something that you struggle with. So like, if you're an alcoholic or something, you can just cut it out. You know, you can just stop drinking. But if you're, you know, I'm not saying that that's easy. I'm just saying that it's a possibility. But yet, you know, if you're addicted to food or something, you can't stop eating. And it's like, I think that that's kind of the thing with technology is it's like, because that is the means with which I consume this education, I can't, distance myself from it adequately because okay you push off all the notifications and all everything else and all whatever it's still a mouse click away you know what i mean like you can't rid yourself of email so do you do a similar thing as jenna does and kind of create the environment where you're like super structured and all that stuff is away from you so i think i've come full circle so i did that initially but then it was like i would find like that I was like pent up, you know what I mean? That it was like, you know, say that there's a lull in the class or the professors, you know, having the aforementioned technical errors or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, this is my chance to go get my phone. And then I wouldn't come back. Like I would then be disengaged. So now it's like, I try to do my best to just like kind of stay comfortable in the discomfort. You know, it's like, all of the, like, I got like a lockdown browser, like the thing that you use for taking exams. And I like put my classes in that and it still found its ways through. So it was like, you know what, like, I'm spending more effort on trying to isolate myself than like actually reading or, you know, outlining or whatever. So it's like, just embrace, you know, instead of trying to fight the waves, just learn how to surf kind of thing. Well, it wouldn't be law school without us trying to figure out how to balance things. (laughs) So I think too, is that it's not necessarily just that we have to deal with learning new things is that we can't abandon the responsibilities we had prior to dealing with COVID. So our podcast is a great example of that. I mean, we used to meet in person, have these brainstorm sessions, put things on the, the whiteboard, cross them out, link them to relevant events that are happening keeping that all in one one site, one location, a creative environment that we're all putting it together. 
And now, I mean, part of putting the podcast meetings together now involves conference calls and Zooms and working with like recorded material so that those that can't make it that moment or because of another class or anything like that, and they're now no longer required to be in a location where that would be encouraged to meet in person. They're not going to take the 45 minutes to drive to somewhere to listen to something they can do from home. So we're now going to put it through a, a virtual meeting, which again, like other environments where you want to talk and learn, it's now changed. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, like Steven said earlier, we're at the best time to have the need to rely on technology because we have it available to us that we can link together virtually without any contact. And we just and group assignments and that's such a large part of adult education haven't gone away and we still have to collaborate and put together a work product. And to do that, we've scheduled, I mean, at least in my experience, I've scheduled collaborate meetings and, and, and zoom meetings to discuss assignments and what our plan was to break down a, a, a topic assigned for our planning courses and stuff like that. So the, the need hasn't gone away to rely on each other. It's just become harder to do that. But the caveat is we're allowed to do it with such an advanced, I think, techno- like technological advantage. I mean, I think that that's such a good point that like we do have all these tools. I think that I would say that for me is like one step above a Luddite to where it's like I don't dislike technology. I just don't, you know, it's never been something that I've really taken a keen you know, interest in. Like, you know, the iPhone is kind of the peak of my technological savvy. And so I think it's like, I always joke with like my family that it's like, I had to learn the law while becoming an IT professional. Because now it's like, you know, I used to be able to, James, why is the printer not working? Come fix this. And now it's like, all right, Lloyd, you're going to go fix it. You know, or it's like, why is the Wi-Fi down? Mr. Esri, what is going on? Now it's like, all right, Lloyd, go learn how to fix Wi-Fi. Why is my mic not working. Okay, let's go Google. Why is, you know what I mean? And it's like, I think that the need for like a fundamental technical background has like kind of really exposed itself. Like, I mean, I've had to teach myself how to type. Like, I didn't know how to touch type going into COVID. And I'm like sitting here hunting pecker at 30 words per minute, trying my best to keep up and it just wasn't happening. And so it's like, I had to make like a concentrated effort over the summer to like sit down and, you know, like in a five-year-old classroom and teach myself how to touch type. And I think for me, that's been a huge learning curve. I think it's important that you do though, because for those that don't push themselves to learn those skills are likely going to be left behind in kind of going forward. Because I think this experience for the world has shown maybe not everyone needs to be in person, especially those that are apt at like technical skills that maybe they can work from home or, or complete any tasks from home. So those are going to be opportunities for people that if they don't learn those things and learn those skills, they're going to be left behind and miss out. I'd be interested to get y'all's opinion kind of on the, I mean, this is something I've been thinking about a lot is that, I mean, obviously, you know, as you leave the house more often, you increase the risk of infection and contamination, things like that. But I I think back, obviously, I've only had limited legal experience, but, you know, before I worked for 10 years or so before coming in and like, I think the closer you are to like headquarters or wherever decisions are made or where, like, I think there's a reason that Campbell's Law School was moved from Bowie's Creek to Raleigh's because they wanted to be 
near where things were happening and things weren't happening in Bowie's Creek, but they obviously are in Raleigh. And so I think like even moving forward, understanding the risk, I still think that like that access or closeness to power and decisions and, uh, you know, jobs and employers and all those things is still and always will be super important, either for getting the job or for future advancement and stuff like that. So if offered the opportunity to work remotely, I still don't know that I would take it just for that reason. And I'd be interested if y'all would feel the same, agree, disagree. Well, I know personally, moving forward, I really like the hybrid model, especially from like, I'm from a rural area. So to go to decision-making areas, Raleigh is two hours away. Greensboro is 45 minutes away. I had a, a traffic issue that I was then sued. I had to go all the way to Greensboro's courts. And that was a 45 minute trip. And like just this kind of has shown us that the law can be a hybrid model and we can reach people in rural communities and make things more accessible. I think one thing that this change has encouraged, and I'm hoping this is the case, I mean, this is kind of a fantastical image, is that the meetings that could have been emails have in fact transitioned to being emails because of the the tech issues. I mean, some people don't have mics or cameras, so most of the time it's communicated in what could before COVID be considered an archaic way of the email, but luckily now we've kind of moved for, let's keep it to the important factors that need to be discussed. And if such an issue is that big a deal to discuss in person to make sure all those ideas are bounced back and forth and encouraged for like, I don't know, just productivity changes and stuff like that. Those are now being focused on instead of all these like routine admin useless meetings. Do you guys think that the, I know we had touched on, you know, how it was interacting class with like the Socratic method and people not really speaking up as much. Like, do you guys think that that's kind of a way that people are coping with all this is that they just are are going back to what's comfortable and and just listening and being quiet is a coping mechanism? Or do you think people are more tuning out like we've been saying is is a possibility? I mean, I know me personally, like my first year, and I mean, maybe Jenna would agree with this or disagree with this. We were in the same section. And I mean, I think Jenna was like ready to like choke me out in a headlock after some classes because I would ask so many questions. But I think that there's like a certain amount, uh, because I'm talking about myself, I don't want to say good things, but like, I don't know, like, you know, courage or something to ask a question. And I feel, you know, because I mean, there's always a chance that the professor will be like, Lloyd, that is stupid. Like, there are dumb questions here, it seems like. And we run the risk of getting that. And I think that I mean, I can only speak for myself here, but I think I have been greatly diminished from asking questions in class because it's like, you know, maybe I I don't have a chance to like follow up or clarify or, oh, that's not really what I was asking. You know what I mean? I was asking this, not that. And so I think that it does like, I'm not saying that it's not a coping mechanism to just listen, but I, I don't think it's like a chosen coping mechanism. I think it's like the environment has kind of forced us into it. If that makes sense. And I would like to say, I did not want to choke you out. I appreciated your questions because, you know, they make class interesting and 
and I was too scared in person to ask questions and just be honest when I'm online and I know the class is being recorded, there's a heightened fear because I'm already fearful that I'm going to sound ridiculous. But then on top of it, when I go rewatch the lecture, because obviously I don't understand something, I'm going to have to re-listen to that horrible moment all over again. It definitely doesn't improve social anxiety, I think. I think it creates a new one. I don't know that anybody that was uncomfortable asking a question in person has suddenly become more comfortable to ask a question online, unless it's hidden in the chat functions of most like video conferencing tools. Because, and in that case, great. That is a benefit of transitioning to virtuals because some of those more nuanced questions are asked. But most of the time, the professors want to still involve those that are virtual. So they're muting themselves. They're letting the entire auditorium hear this question on loudspeakers. And if they don't answer it correctly, you're very less inclined to go correct them. Like Lloyd had said, like, that's not what I meant. But you don't want them to have to mute themselves again, ask it in a different way, and then the the answer still not be displayed for you. So, I mean, that's a that's a negative thing, I think. But I'm hoping post-COVID, some of the social interactions are perhaps more valued. I know from my experience, some of my friends, classmates, they're kind of flaky, if I'm honest. Like, let's go get a beer after class, or they and and they don't show up. It's like, all right, it's pretty, pretty standard, I think. And for society, society was like, a lot of things come up, we're allowed those distractions, and canceling on, on each other was pretty easy. I'm hoping, post-COVID, when we're allowed to meet up again, that those are our appointments we now keep, because we miss that interaction. I mean, I, I can only speak for myself here, but it's like, I know, like, I, I haven't been out to, like, many bars or restaurants or whatever, but it was like, I got, like, an invitation like I'm, I'm down in Georgia right now, but I was up in Raleigh like a, a week or so ago. And I just got an invitation to like go grab a drink, you know, you know, socially distant outside, you know, whatever. But it was like where normally it would be like, oh, man, I've got so much to do. Like, I don't know if I've got time for this. Like I could have had a meeting with the queen, the president all at the same time. And I would have been like, you know, hey, sorry, Mr. President, like, I want to go see my friends. And it's like, I, I really do think that there is some real substance to that, that it's like the, like, you don't know how good it is to have a barefoot summer until you've had a barefoot winter. When I think this is kind of the, the barefoot winter, where on the other side of it, you will really appreciate much more than before the, the human to human interactions that we have. So it sounds like people are wanting that interaction to to return. Like, you know, I, I hate to make it that simple, but it kind of goes back to just saying that, like, I don't think we realized on how much interaction did we all really um, rely on in our lives. I don't, I don't think many people think about how important that type of thing is until um, kind of what Lloyd was saying is that when it's gone. And I think those type of things go grabbing a beer or whatever, go have lunch. Those are more important and probably actually more efficient in regards to getting stuff done than it is being at the institution or doing whatever in the building itself. Like sometimes, you know, study groups go better when you're somewhere else in change of location. I know even on a simple spot, I I do that at home. Like I'm stuck in my little room 
most of the time. And then sometimes I just need to move to a different side of the house and that kind of helps. So I never would have thought of it that way until you guys had been kind of alluding to it. You know, I remember pre COVID stuff, just like saying, Hey, nope, I don't want to be home. I'm going to go to a coffee shop. And I don't remember the last time I was at a coffee shop. It's those are the one of the things that I think that would be, be nice. It's just, it's just so crazy to think about the waves of difficulties we've all had to go through just in less than a year, you know, cause it's right out of year that it got here in the United States and things started hitting the fan in what March, early, early March, late February. And, you know, we go through the emotions of uncertainty of what the school is going to do, what other schools are doing. Then you got the, the fear of the unknown coming. What is it going to happen to us specifically? We've gone a long way. So post, I hope we just don't forget that, you know, we've, we've been really good at adapting, you know, and, and recognizing what's important, what's more valuable and how we all learn and how we all work. And I hope we can kind of like blend that together because I think for an institution or even, I know employers have to do it now. Some of them have gone, oh, Eureka, we don't need this big fancy dancy, you know, office because that's just a lot of overhead. And we've realized that my team works better this way. So maybe we can downsize or something like that. And I hope, you know, to convert that to what the school can do. I hope, you know, they're not going to downsize or anything because our building is fine, but like, I hope they can meld some of the things we've discovered during this process to kind of make us more, I don't know, unique. I think it's an important time to mention too, that while these are struggles that we're experiencing and discussing, we know that there are several others that have had it much worse. I mean, the impacts of this virus have been detrimental for a lot of people. And we're not here to say that our troubles are any more or less than something somebody else is experiencing. Law school's tough. And so we chose to go to law school. It's going to be tough. But these are some of the uh, things that we had not prepared for. And I think the rest of the world didn't either also climbing, you know, as far as like little molehills and mountains of, of struggling things to deal with while going to school and uh, not in the traditional work environment and not in the traditional learning environment are some things that we just kind of have to cross as we come to them. But again, the, in the grand scheme of the whole world, this is a minimal <laughs> issue, but it's just something I think most probably grad programs and other professional learning environments can relate to because it's been, it's been interesting at the very least, but a little bit of a a pain in the butt too. Well, I mean, I think there's something to be said about like just validating everybody's experience. I mean, not to go too mushy here, but I mean, there's always going to be somebody that has it worse. There's always going to be, you know, somebody that's got a tougher situation, but I think like coming to grips with the fact that like, like giving yourself a little slack, you know what I mean? Like I, I think initially I was pretty hard on myself because, you know, there's so many more appointments, there's so many more Zoom meetings, there's so many, like so much more reading, homework, whatever, that it was like, Lloyd, why are you not getting this done? And like my self-talk was pretty negative. And I think it was because like exactly like Shannon had said, it was like, you know, I'm like thinking, I mean, come on, man, like you've got internet, you've got a computer, you've got a, you know, house to, to do all this stuff at, like, you don't have it that bad. This is the best time, you know, this could possibly happen. Imagine if it was in the 19 teens and the Spanish influenza or whatever. And I think I've kind of backed away from that to just like give myself a little bit of grace and say, 
you know what? This is tough. You're doing what you can do. Like just hang in there, kid. You know what I mean? And, and I think ironically, like the minute that I started cutting myself some slack, a lot more started to fall, fall into I think yeah. that's a really good coping mechanism. I think a lot of people in law school are super hard on themselves. It's a competitive environment, but you know what? We're all in this. I really am tired of hearing this phrase, but it's so true. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, compete. That's a you know fundamental thing of being a human, I would say, is that, you know, competition being, you know, try to one up the other person is kind of a unique thing of, uh, of being in this environment and all, um, you know, we all want to strive to be the best, if not the best of, out of everybody, but the best that we can be. And um, I think, a lot, you know, Lloyd, when you say giving yourself some grace, I think that's a really good coping mechanism overall, because what is that phrase? Like you're your own worst, you know, critic or something like that. And I think if people just learn a little bit more of acceptance on themselves. I think that really helps, you know, kind of have a, a defrag of your own brain. You know, remember back in what are the windows where you had to defrag your computer and, you know, I kind of might've just aged myself a little bit there. It's the same sort of thing. Your brain needs to have that mechanism to push things aside that, you know, and reorganize. And so by, I would say, being okay with how it's going, giving yourself grace. I think that's a way that you can really cope with it. Jenna, what it, like you're the one that kind of brought up a lot of this coping stuff with, you know, creating that environment <laughs> at your house. Like what other things are you coping with or to help you cope? So other ways that I've coped is coming to the realization that I'm the only person who knows when I need help. So if I need help, my teachers aren't seeing my face anymore. I have to say I need help. And I feel like in law school, that kind of extends it. Mental health is something is a big issue in law school. And so that's like, you know, seeking help, pretty much talking to professionals who are more qualified than my friends, and just be willing to be more realistic with myself. You know, I've turned down things that I would like to do because I know what it is now to face plant uh, with COVID over scheduling yourself because everything is so easy. Zoom meetings, you can literally have eight hours of Zoom meetings. You could physically do it, but can you do the work that corresponds to those eight hours of Zoom meetings? Not necessarily. So, you know, just being realistic. I know it's not really a coping mechanism, but it is for me. <laughs> it's one of my mantras. We don't want to get in a pit because I know a lot of people that have experienced, I mean, even job loss and stuff like that. And well, you mentioned the competitiveness of law school. Well, most people are expected to have a summer program job to gain the experiences that is like interacting with a law firm or interacting with a courtroom and the judges and clerk positions and stuff like that. And I had one of those lined up that had to be kind of revoked because people weren't doing in, in contact work as well as court proceedings were delayed until further notice. So a lot of firms didn't take the opportunity to add any new people, one for a safety concern, but also the work wasn't there anymore. So that was really hard to accept in that one, it was completely out of my control. I'd worked really hard to get those positions lined up. I saw the benefit and experience them before I graduate. And I didn't get a chance to see that through. So last summer in particular, it was really hard to accept that because 
here are these expectations I have for myself, my classmates have for themselves, the school expects of the students, and now we can no longer fulfill them. Now, there should be less pressure from the administrative side, and they say, we know it's not happening. This had to be adjusted. Nobody could see this coming, but it's a little bit less flash to bang for us to accept kind of and, and, and not view it as a failure. So that's what I definitely struggled with and kind of giving myself grace was the only way I was going to be able to continue with law school through that because otherwise everything would probably, everything under the sun would frustrate me because I wasn't seeing my plan occur the way I expected it to. But going forward, I think it taught us a lesson in adaptability. I mean, we have to. These weren't things we could have planned for. They weren't something we could control in the end. Other people's actions keep us in the position we're at now, but we're not going to be able to enforce any control on that either. So it's kind of a take care of you, you're number one, keep those interests in mind um, and better yourself through that, but not so much rely so heavily on these plans that it's a catastrophic event should they not occur. Yeah, I think that's such a good point, Shannon. Like I know, like I I had like my 10-year goals planned out, right? Like, you know, I was going to clerk my first summer and then my second summer I was going to do a nice private firm you know something a little upscale boutique and then you know third year hopefully that was going to lead into you know a nice little lucrative uh starting you know max starting associate salary somewhere and it was like you know you really had to go back to the drawing board right because then all the clerkships got shuffled all the private sector jobs got you know mixed up and I don't know I think this leads me to we hadn't talked about this so uh you know, previously, but it's a question that I've had, and maybe you guys have thought of it too, that like you, we were talking about this idea of grace and, you know, how important it is for us to have it. And I think for me, I have felt that the grace is kind of asymmetric, right? So it's like, you know, if you're an employer or you're a school or you are whatever, you send me emails constantly apologizing for your mistakes and asking for them to be forgiven and grace extended. But yet as a, a student or, you know, a consumer, you know, or somebody that, you know, wants to work at your firm or whatever, uh, it's not reciprocated. And I wondered, you know, kind of to just flip the lens a little bit, if y'all feel that that has kind of impacted you guys at all. I don't think it's flipped yet, and I'd hope it would. I don't know that it's necessarily, a, I think it's more case-by-case basis of the expectations of those that are adapting to this environment. Some are really rigid, some are really relaxed, and that's a little frustrating because you don't necessarily know what you're going into and interacting with somebody. Hopefully, everyone's kind of re- relaxes their standards just a little bit, only because so much of this is beyond the control of those you're interacting with. But I don't think it's happened yet. I definitely see what you're talking about, though, because it's it's been a formality that you have to kind of bring yourself to if you weren't already there and then accept the results, regardless if they were in your favor or not. Yeah, I actually makes me think of to go to Lloyd's point of, you know, extending grace. That's actually changed what I would define my leading with purpose. Like before all of COVID, I had a very different perception or who I would point to for the person who I would say, I want to be that person. And on the flip side, when COVID happened, I was like, wait, I want to be like Professor Kent, who he was really gracious, 
with how he extended, you know, his understanding of what's happening to his students. And, you know, I actually am looking up to him, like, and how he handled the whole situation. That's the leader I want to be, because I felt like he handled it the best. And he made it not so threatening. And then on the flip side, I'm not going to name the professor who I used to look up to. No, I don't. (laughs) But I don't feel like they handled the COVID situation very well. And I'm like, "Hmm, I don't want to be that leader because you do have to extend grace. If you want grace to be extended to you, you've got to do the same thing. It's a two-way street. No, I agree 100%. And I, I think for me, like, I definitely understand the, you know, you know, train to stand, like, so in the army, we used to say, like, you train to standard, not time, right? So you don't say that, like, okay, we're going to do this training for 60 minutes. We're gonna, you say that, like, we're going to do this training until it's done and done right. And I get it. I mean, I think that's very prevalent in law school that it's like, this is what the American Bar Association says. This is what, you know, Campbell's academic standard policy says. This is, you know, these are the rules. You want to be a professional one day. You will follow these. And I get it. And I mean, the law firms have them as well. And, you know, this is a very deadline focused profession. But I think that that kind of like scorecard, you know what I mean? To where it's like, we're going to keep score against you, but like, please don't keep score against us. I, I think that that does really show profound leadership that it's like, like I, so I was in complete disclosure. I was in the Kent with, or in Professor Kent's class with you, and I, I couldn't agree more. Like I think he was a remarkable leader in that moment, and I think he flirted the line perfectly between saying like, "Hey, this is still a demanding class. I still expect your best. I still whatever, but I'm just going to turn the volume down a little bit." You know, like I'm. Like you are having to learn how to lead in a completely separate way than when I went to law school or when anybody else went to law school. And so, you know, maybe I don't have a hundred percent comprehension of what you're having to go through. So there will be a grace extended. Like I I still want you to do well. I'm still hold you to it, but I'm not going to like really put your, your feet to the coals or like if, if you say that you can't make it to class today for some reason, not going to send you a copy of, you know, the American Bar Association standards and requirements. It's like, okay, I get it. Life is tough. Like, just let me know if you, you know, didn't catch anything. And I think that is like, as a leader and leading with purpose, I think it is so important for that purpose to be the embetterment of the people that you interact with and not just the mission, right? Like the mission whatever it is, doesn't get accomplished without the people and really focusing on their well-being. I hope that we can learn to do a better job of. I think my definition of leading with purpose after this experience is something along the lines of allowing life to happen without holding it against you or the others around you, but still not letting it put you in a place where you can't recover. Meaning there's been some really negative things that have come out of this worldwide pandemic. But if you were to allow that to defeat your goals, your aspirations, you're not leading yourself or others out of that rut. And I think that's probably what what we expect from ourselves and, and hopefully expect from others is to understand that things beyond our control are occurring around us 
And that's very, I think it's really hard for law students to accept because I think we're a bunch of control freaks. I mean, candidly, I think that's why a lot of us get kind of our rush into being able to see our plans and, and, and dreams come true through things that we complete ourselves. But when that element is kind of removed from our abilities, I mean, I think it showed some true colors in our classmates too, and, and seeing who can kind of rise above a really defeating environment. I think that it's a really kind of cool to see how everybody's adapted and, uh, you know, how everybody is leading in their own, in their own purpose. The thing that I'm trying to, you know, remember and, and hold on to during this whole experience and hopefully how I can portray it to other people is just to be thankful. I think if people are very thankful during hard times and even the good times, it, that's a good way to lead. And, um, you know, cause we're given an opportunity here. And uh, sure as heck, I'm thankful for, you know, the powers that be have selected me to be part of this specific group and part of this school and everything like that. I'm super thankful because somebody else could have got it. And, uh, you know, now it's up for me not to screw it up. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, be humble, be thankful. And I think extending grace and and just kind of like all those things that you guys put together is uh, hopefully something that I can, you know, steal from you guys and use in my own little thing to hopefully lead in a way that people would say the sort of thing that Jenna was saying is I want to be like that person. I don't want to be the person that somebody goes, I don't want to be like that. Just to be clear, for me, these are aspirations, not necessarily, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to give the, uh, you know, the misrepresentation that I follow everything I say, but I think these are things that I aspire to. And that oh. prior to this situation, maybe didn't have the same emphasis that I give them now. Oh, trust me. There are many times in on our readings and stuff like that, that I am not thankful, <laughs> you know, when, when learn about such and such rule or whatever, I don't think thankful really comes into my mind, but you know, in reflection, I hope that I remember that because it is an opportunity. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. And thank you, Lloyd, Stephen, and Shannon for joining me on this phone call. Um, would you guys like to say one thing to just summarize your experience this last year? Uh, well, I mean, I just know, especially after listening to everything you guys have gone through, I am very thankful for you all. I'm very thankful for the opportunities you've given me. And I look forward to seeing you all in person someday. I think I'll add that. One key thing to remember after this is that life's going to happen, but in order to stay positive, you got to remember that it'll get better and not to let yourself kind of fall to the, to the pressures of an environment you can't control. One thing that sticks out in my mind is uh, uh, actually a uh, Bible verse. It's one of my favorite is actually uh, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance and I've just kind of, this just hit me right there. And that kind of what hearing all you guys, that's kind of what it sounded like to me. So um, I think we're all going to grow. Yeah. Growing is important and being flexible. That's my takeaway from this year is being flexible. But thank you again for listening to the podcast. And I hope that you guys found our conversation about COVID and post-COVID world interesting and tune in again. Thank you for listening to the Campbell Law Reporter podcast. We look forward to you joining us every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. for a new episode, which can be accessed through your preferred podcasting listening platform. 